it out for y'all. One thing I do, I hate it when y'all are quiet. But go ahead and stand. Go ahead and stand. On reading God's Word. Genesis 22. Just read a couple of verses here. <clears throat> Since then, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And then he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word, and as we begin to look in it, I pray for myself that you would take me and get rid of me and just use me, Lord, to honor and glorify your name, to lift up your word, to speak truth. And may it just encourage us. May it, um, may it help us just to see just how good you are and how we can trust you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Is, uh, am, I, am I too loud? Am I okay? All right. Very good. Very good. Um, as we read here, uh, this uh, scripture here in Genesis, um, this is um, where Abraham, who God called out, and the, the children of Israel would eventually come through from him, through him and Isaac and Jacob. And But this particular story here is after a, a lot of stuff happening, God's promise of a son was fulfilled that Sarah would give birth to a son for Abraham, and that was Isaac. And Isaac, uh, Jacob, uh, Abraham loved, uh, he loved Isaac. And um, so it says that God wanted to test Abraham. And, uh, you know, it just, I think about things like that, and, you know, sometimes the Lord just wants to test us and uh, see where we are. And this seemed like an awful test, if you will just think about it, what God had asked him to do. And uh, so tonight, as I thought about these things, and, and, and I'm going to be looking at some more places in the Old Testament, but what I... <clears throat> What, I, what was on my mind today was what I, I just call it hard time worship. Hard time worship. You know, uh, I like that song that Stephen Foster wrote back there, Let's Sing It. Hard times come again no more. Ain't nobody likes hard times. Am I right? Don't like hard times. But it's in hard times is where a lot of times we find, and I, I just, I just kind of, I wrote this down as I was thinking, could it be, could it be that our best worship is our hard time worship? Are y'all with me tonight? Could it be? That's in those difficult hard times is whenever you really get right with God. You really get real with God. You may hurt to the, your core. But, you, you know, it's, it's then when you really get honest. If you're like me, and I've heard this, I've heard it said, you know, it's, 
It's easy to worship God in the good times. And I think that's probably true if you think about that. But I don't know that the best worship comes from you during the good times. That it may be the hard times is where the, the real deal is and the real worship. And where you, you as he tested Abraham, where you, you display that, yes, Lord, you and you alone are number one in my book. Amen? Nobody's, nobody holds that place but you. I love Isaac. Oh, how I love Isaac. But Isaac can't take your place. He don't need to take your place. You don't need to let anybody take the place of God Almighty. He's number one. He wants to be number one. As a matter of fact, he just about ain't going to have it no other way. You know, and he says, uh, I mentioned uh, me and Tana was been working on Malachi and uh, to do a, a study at a church during the month of February. But one of the things that I, I stuck in my mind here recently was that uh, the best thing, the best thing that I can do for my family, for Tonda or for my family and my children, the very best thing I can do for them is to love God more than I do them. <laughs> Amen? The best thing I can do for them is to love God more than I love them. Because if I get that thing out of whack, I can assure you, I'm not doing them or me any good. Y'all with me? So let's move into this and look at this, this stuff. This hard time, hard time worship, because this, this is tough. And, and so let's read on and, and we'll hit some things and then move on to some other places. But we'll kick in at verse, uh, verse 3 where I left off. It says, So Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled the don his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. I don't know. Uh, it said he rose up early. My, my guess is, is he probably didn't go to sleep thinking about it. But he rose up early, and do you, do you know that that probably was some tough wood to have to split? All right? Y'all with me? But he's doing it. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place far off. Now listen to this. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. Me and the lad, talking about Isaac, we're going to go yonder and worship. My goodness. That's kind of a hard time you think about going to worship and worship God. Knowing what he's told you to do. And see, when you think about this, Abraham is in this hard, tough place because God has told him to. It's the word of God. Has, has, it's, it's, that's, that's what he's told him to do. How do, how do you, you know, it doesn't say he argued with God, he wrestled with God, he prayed, oh Lord, that's... No. He just went, he, he just began to make steps to, to do that. I don't know what was in his heart. I can only think in my own self. But when he told him, and I listen, and I think it's very good, very good. He said, me and the lad, we're going to go yonder and worship. But then he said, and we will come back to you. Woo! Did you hear that? What did he tell Abraham to do? He told him to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. To kill him. On that altar. 
And he says, and that's exactly what I'm going to go do. And I said, man, let me tell you something. Do you, would you call that an act of worship? Would you call that some hard time worship? Yes. Hard time worship. But it showed what was there, didn't it? What was in Abraham. I, we're going up there to worship. And, and we'll come back. And, and I think about over in uh, Hebrews. If you read, a, read in Hebrews about Abraham, it says uh, Abraham was, by faith, he was flat ready to sacrifice Isaac just saying, you know, I'll go ahead and kill him because I believe I serve a God that can raise him. I believe he can raise him up. That's the God I serve. It was genuine. Believe that. How many of y'all believe you serve a God that's going to raise you up? Man, isn't it good? Isn't it good to know him? And no matter what you may go through in this life, he's still that same God capable of doing all of those things. I, no, I, no one knows what may, tomorrow may hold for me. I can assure you, Mike and Ann never had any thoughts of what they would meet this weekend. You, we just don't know. And it's hard. But I tell you what, I was up there last night. I think it was last night, yeah. But man, you could hear some good testimonies from some hard time worship. Worship coming out of hard times. Difficult times. But anyway, Abraham said, we're going, we're going up there and we're coming back. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, Father, he said, Here I am, son. He says, uh, Look, the, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Ooh-wee. What are you telling? <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what. Abraham told him the best thing you could tell him. And Abraham said, Son, God will provide. Amen. God will provide. He has provided. He's already provided for me. And this is just the beginning of letting humanity know that we got a God who can provide and will provide. He'll provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And just, for, and just in case you may not know, maybe somebody here, somebody may not know this, but it just so happened that where God told Abraham to go and sacrifice Isaac on a mountain called Moriah, let me tell you something. That wasn't by just, he didn't just happenstance pick a place. He said, you go to the place that I'm going to tell you to go because God knew what was going to happen on that mountain come many, 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 many years later. A thousand years later, God would provide a lamb on a cross on that mountain of Moriah. Can you believe that? That's where Jesus was slain. Wow. God provided, provided a lamb. But Abraham didn't know that at the time. All he knew was what God had told him to do in his life today. Wherever you may be, I don't know what it is, what you may be going through. I know a lot, we all, a lot of us know one another pretty good. And I know, you know, we've been through a lot. I look back there and I see, I see Kathy sitting back there. So I've spent a good bit of time with Kathy and I know a lot of stuff that's happened in her life and struggles and things of this nature. We, 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 we have them. We, we, it's, it's just life. But it's during these times, it's whenever you reach down and you just say, I don't know, I don't understand a lot of stuff, but I know my God. And I trust him with all my heart. I trust him with all my heart. And so Abraham says, the Lord will provide himself a lamb. It says, then they came. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. 
But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then we go back to what I just mentioned. The test was to see, is there anything that you'll put in front of me? And Abraham proved to him, there's not. Boy, there's a fine song. I can't remember just exactly how it, lyrics and the, but when I come to the place that I can lay my Isaac down, you understand what I'm saying? Whatever it is that I'm holding on to that means so much to me, if it ain't God, lay it down. Lay your Isaac down. And that's something, every, you know, each of us as individuals, we need to look at our own life and say, what, what, what's there? Is there something there? But in, in, in my mind, as I look at this, you know, with Abraham, one thing I said is, is that Abraham, he, said, you know, he had to, in his mind, he had to be saying, you know, I'm here because this is what God has asked me to do. Not only that, as painful as it was, and as senseless as it seemed. And I say that because that was his only son. And God says, I'm going to bless you and this whole world through that son. So it's kind of crazy, Lord, if you want me to kill him. Senseless when you think about it. But he said, I'm going, I'm going up to worship. Sometimes whenever I, sometimes when things happen, it just don't, it doesn't make any sense. Lord, why am I here? Just worship him. Reach down and get what it takes to worship him. But this, it's during these times, I just wrote this hard time worship, can reveal what is most important in our, in our lives. And I, and I thought about, I, bet, I was looking at Psalms 30, uh, 73 today, but some parts of it, but this kind of stuck out when I read that. In, in Psalm 73, 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. That's where we need to be. That's where I, I can tell you right now, folks, like I tell you before, when I preach these things, I preach to a little old short fat fella named Eddie. That's who I preach to. That's who I preach to. Because I, I need to hear that. And I need to know that needs to be my only, my greatest desires. There's nothing like him. Now, let's, go, let's move on. Let's go over to 2 Samuel. Get your Bible, go over to 2 Samuel. We look at some more. I'll tell you, a lot of folk go through hard time. And a lot of times it's for different reasons, but you find yourself there. And I, if I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just strange, but I'm telling you, a lot of these things, when I find myself struggling or I'm into something, I'm thinking, gosh, why me, Lord? I, I look back and these things give me some comfort. That I, I ain't alone. You've been, people have been here before. And, and, and when we think about so many folk right now of our brothers and sisters here just going through some tough, tough struggles, it's right now that, that their worship is hard time worship. But God is still God and he shows himself mighty. And I believe that in their lives. I believe that. But in Psalm, uh, Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 12, I didn't tell you that, did I? 2 Samuel chapter 12. I'm going to pick up at verse 13, but this is the story about King David 
and, and, and this is where he had, he had, uh, had a, an adulterous relationship with another man's wife, a man named Uriah. And, 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 and she come up uh, expecting with David's child. And so David's got a problem on his hands. He's got to do something. And so he sees to it that Uriah the Hittite, he sees to it that he gets killed and, uh, and gets everything. He takes care of everything and everything's going well. He brings Bathsheba to his, his home and she's there with him now. And uh, everything looks like everything's taken care of. It looks pretty good. The only thing is, is that uh, uh, the Lord... Uh, sent a man named Nathan, and I think the last verse of verse of chapter 12 says, and he let him know that David had, what David had done, displeased the Lord. See, the Lord knew it. The Lord knew about it. The Lord, and, and so it wasn't hidden. David thinks it is. So this, uh, this prophet Nathaniel, Nathan comes in and, and confronts him and tells him a story, and David, you know, he, he gets bent out of shape and says, well, you tell me who that man is, and, and I'll see that he dies. And Nathan says, David, you're the man. Mm, mm. So it's hitting. And in verse 13, so uh, he get, uh, Nathan tells David all kind of stuff and that his family's going to suffer from on out pretty much with troubles and heartaches and things, and it, and it happens. But let's pick up at verse 13 with, uh, with David. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Sounds good. However, because of this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. So because of that, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Hmm. My goodness. That's tough. That's tough. Now think about it. First thing I wrote down, I said, man, the heartache, the heartbreak of knowing that my sinful actions has brought pain and suffering to the innocent. Whew. Oh, how I wish I could go back and do it over. Man, I don't like to be here. I don't want to be here. Is there some way I can change it? Lord, take me. You ever heard that? Take me, not my child. It's tough. It's hard. Now, this is a little different than Abraham, right? Abraham's, the Lord told him what to do and just had put him into a tremendous crucible, you know, to just the, the, the pressure to see who he was. I don't, I tell you, to me, is to know that you, you a lot that you brought things on yourself, and God says this is, this is what's going to happen. Wow, that had to, it just had to be, that had to be tough. So he said. So after he tells him that, says then David left. I mean Nathaniel part of verse fifteen. He departed uh, to his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. And let me tell you something. God never quit calling Bathsheba the wife of Uriah. Even in the New Testament, in the lineage of, he still, God, God don't forget. He knows, but he's a merciful God. Aren't you glad? I needed his mercy. 
I needed a lot. So he struck the child ill. So David, therefore, pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground so that the elders of the house arose and went to him and raised him up from the ground. But he would not, for he, did, he didn't eat food, he, and, and he, nor would he eat food with them. And then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. This is awful. You've seen him. And I think, I'm in my mind, I'm saying, David is fasting. David is pleading with God, asking God, don't take the child. But in the end, God does not answer his request. He, the, he takes the child. That's what David's, I don't, I don't, hey folks, I don't know what David may have been saying. I don't know what he may have been praying. I just know what I probably would have been. And I, I, just like I'd said, I'm sorry, Lord, I, I, just take me. Just take me. I deserve it. Begging and pleading and hoping that the Lord will answer. But it didn't happen. <clears throat> and what does David do? How does he handle that? Listen to this. There's certain scriptures, folks, that just kind of get into you and you ain't going to never forget them. And this is one of them for me. I just, this, this story here. It says, And when David saw that the servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. And therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He's dead. Oh my, what's going to happen? Is he going to go nuts? So David arose from the ground, he washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. That's hard time, worship. Don't you think? I bet you, I don't know what he did there. He might have said, Lord, I'm sorry. If there's any way I could change this, I would. But I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Because you still love me, and I know you do. And I know the covenant, you know, that it was going to happen. So, just the reaction under that type of situation, that when it comes to the end of it, I still worship God. I go straight to Him. As that we sang that song, where could I go? But to the Lord. Where else you going to go? What you got? It's Him. I'm going to Him. I'm hurting all over. I'm busted all to pieces. I've cried till I can't cry no more. But I'm going to Him. Now, he hasn't answered my prayer the way that I wanted it answered. But He's still my God. And He still loves me. And I'm going there. And I'm going to fall at His feet. And I'm going to worship Him. And I'm going to get right. And I'm going to get real. And I'm going to pour it out. Now that's worship. To me. That's worship. Worshiping God. But then just listen on. Then a servant said to him, they didn't understand, listen. What is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you rose and ate food. And he said, well, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, and I love this, 
Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? You see what? Folks, that's the reason I pray for anything. I pray for any kind of healing. I pray because who knows what God may do. Right? I mean, that, I, I, I hang on to that. I'm praying. You say, well, why are you praying that? Cause, well, I'm praying it because God might do it. And who knows? You don't know. Nobody knows but God. Boy, it gets, it gets good. It gets personal then, don't it? Because I'm just, I'm pouring my heart out. Mm, mm, mm. David worshiped God. So he, but he went on to say, but now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to be with him, but he will not return to me. So David now is immediately after all this fasting, praying, pouring his heart out. God does not answer the way he wants to. When he finds it out, he says, okay, that's it. God's answer. God has spoken. He's still God, and he's my God. I'm getting up, I'm going down there, I'm going to worship him, and I'm going to thank him and praise him that though I cannot bring him back, it's because of him I have a promise I can go to be with him. That's my God, amen? That's my God. That's, that's, that's hard time worship. But boy, I tell you what, good stuff, good stuff comes out of hard time worship. So let's move on. I don't know, there's, there's a head up there on, in front of that clock, and I, ain't, I don't know how close I am to getting, oh, I'm okay. That head just disappeared. <laughs> uh, oh, I see, I, I've got the clock on the thing. I forgot about that, y'all. I got it right up there on the, the screen. That's good. Uh, let's go to one more. We're going to go to another one here. So let's go to Job. That's another good one to look at. Hard time worship, especially Job. Let's look at it real quick. <clears throat> Job, go to the first chapter. Just quickly give you the, the backdrop of it. If you read here, uh, Satan shows up and he's talking with the Lord and tells the Lord, you know, uh, it's the Lord talking with him and says, you know, I got a, I got a number one stem-winding good fellow named Job and he just does things right. His heart's right. He loves me, and he loves me the way you, you ought to love me. I tell you, he is some kind of feller. You know, I just wish that he'd be saying something like that about Eddie. You know, but he was saying that about Job. He's just, he's just a, he's, he's a true believer. And um, Satan says, you know, uh, yeah, but you, you do so much for him. You take care of him. You don't let nothing happen to him. You know, you're a man. He, you know he's going to worship See, that's, that's the thing about that, all, all the good times. There's nothing but good times. Sometimes it's got to be some, some, some rough stuff got to come by to see where you are. And so the Lord knew Job, and he told Satan, all right, well, you go, and you can just take everything you've got, but said, don't touch his body. So he did. He went, and, uh, you know, if I was just scanning through real quick, he, uh, a messenger came and said they, he, uh, uh, they, he, some, some people come and got the oxen and, and the donkeys and has took away and killed the, your servants. While he was talking, another one came and said they got the sheep and the servants. And then while he was talking, another one comes and said they, they took the camels and they killed all those servants. And while he was still speaking, it says that he come and told him, says, look, winds come and blow down on all your children were together in their brother's house and it's killed. All your children are dead. Boom. Okay. 
Now, that, Job's a little different. Abraham, God had told Abraham, Abraham knew what he was doing and why, and why it was such a, the Lord had put him there. David knew what was going on in his life too, and know why it was there. Job ain't got a clue. All I know is I've been doing things this way all my life and thought I was doing things right, and I have lost everything. I've lost all the wealth that I had. I was a wealthy man. I've lost it. I had a house full of kids. I've lost all. I've lost everything. <clears throat> so when they come and said the kids were dead, let's pick up at verse 20. It says, Then Job arose, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, and he fell to the ground, and he worshipped. Where can I go? But to the Lord. Amen? Hard time worship. Man hit the ground. Hit the ground gets called out on the Lord. But listen to what he said. He worshiped me. And here's what he said. See, this is the reason, I, this is the reason I'm telling you. A lot of times it's, in, it's during the hard times whenever good things come out. And here's some good that came out. And he, here's what Job said. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. And everybody said, that's, that's exactly right for every one of us. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Who's doing the giving? Who's doing the taking away? Ain't no doubt about it. And then he goes to say what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Folks, that's some of the most powerful words you'll ever hear that come from a heart that was under tremendous hard time worship. Oh God, I know who I am. I don't understand what's going on, but that's what happened. That's what came out. <clears throat> that, and that was, his, it was an immediate reaction with Job. But we're not done. See, a little while later, Satan shows back up and talks with God again. I reckon the Lord could say, uh, Satan, I, I was right about Job, wasn't I, buddy? I was right about him. He's faithful. You heard what he said. You heard him. You heard him with your own ears say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. You heard him. He said, Yeah. But if you will let me touch his body, he'll curse your teeth. And he let him do it. He told him, Yep, you go ahead and do whatever you want to. Just don't, just don't take his life. And he broke out in terrible boils. I just, I've read some things, some studies on Job, and they just say it was, it was just really, really horrible stuff that he had and the shape that he was in and the stench and the sores and where he laid out the garbage dump. It was just awful. And in chapter 2, at verse 8, in him in that shape, it said, And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. I don't think that would have probably felt good. I guess he was probably trying to do something to get some relief or something to heal it, maybe. And then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Just curse God and die. You know, sometimes it seems like people can, you could get to the place where it just seems like death would be a blessing. Just curse God and die. 
but then listen to what he said. But he said unto her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? And in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. How many, how many of y'all think that all we should ever get from God is good? Should we never have any adversity? Should we never? Job's, <laughs> man. I mean, you know, it would be, I guess it would be good, and you, you're tempted a lot of times to kind of preach like that. It just, it's just going to be good, you know? And just, God's just going to take care of everything for you. And it's, you know, but it just, it just don't happen like that in this life. This is a sin-cursed life. We live in sin-cursed bodies. There's sickness, there's tragedies, there's heartaches, there's catastrophes of all, all kinds of things happen. Okay? But he said, Am I, am I just going to receive good and not adversity? And I think, <clears throat> as I put this, I said, whether it's good or whether it's bad, Job realized that either way, God was in control and is to be worshipped. Amen? Either way, either way, God's in control and he is to be worshipped. I'm one that I believe that in the, in the bad times is when you have to really reach down deep sometimes. Sometimes you, you, you feel like I can't, go, I can't go anymore. I can't go any further. But you can. You can because of the Lord. And you just turn to him. Where could I go? Where could I go? But to the Lord. Struggling with things. Man, that, to me, that's the heart. That's the heart of a worshiper. That when things come... That, you immediately, you, you go to the Lord. You go to the, the altar. You go to the throne of grace. You begin, to talk, you begin to talk with him. And you begin to pour that heart out. And you're worshiping the one that you know holds it all together. Just to praise him. <clears throat> as a, and as a, as, a, as a closeout, which I will close with this. But if you go over in the New Testament, see tonight we just looked at Three heavyweights out of the Old Testament, but they went through some tough, tough times, but they still worship God. But in the New Testament, if you look at uh, the apostles and all the things that they went through, uh, and one that comes to my mind is the Apostle Paul and the things that he went through, and realizing that if you read the book of Philippians, you're going to read what Paul wrote, and it's all about joy. That's the whole main, main theme of Philippians is, is joy. And he wrote that whole thing while he was in prison. Joy. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. He knew God. He worshiped God, even, in the, even there. And, he saw, and, and Paul saw through that. But one of the examples, to me, one of the greatest, was when Paul was with a guy named Silas. And in Acts 16, and I'll just read this to you. You can go there if you want to, Acts 16, 22. They have been preaching, spreading the gospel. The uh, officials there and the rulers got mad with them and decided to put a stop to it. And that's where we pick up right here at verse 22. 
but chapter 16 says, And the multitude rose up together against them, against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them, for them to be beat. I don't know about y'all, but I'm, 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 I'm guessing that it was probably a pretty good whipping. Really rough, probably. I'm, I'm, I imagine they probably took their shirts off and just poured it to them. Wouldn't you think? Hard time. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Now, I don't, they probably didn't have any nurse, nurses working there at that prison, most likely, that was going to doctor those wounds. They hurt them. They just been beat. They are hurt. And then it's, when they give them to the jailer, it said, who having received such a charge, and they said, you keep them safe. He thrust them in the inner prison and put their feet fast in his dogs. And they laying up against the wall, that back, beat back, and all of that stuff. Hard times. <laughs> you ever heard the saying, I, I didn't sign up for this. I've had enough. I've had enough. Lord, you really can't expect a person to Go through this. That ain't right. That ain't what happened. So there they sit. And it says, verse says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. Give me a break. Man, they make me look bad. The whining and the crying that I can do over little old stuff that goes wrong. And there they are, beat the fire out of them, got them in stocks. They're laying there wishing, <laughs> wishing they had a little bit of salve to put on some of them cuts. Probably, no, they just begin to sing and praise God. Hard time worship, right? It's good stuff. That's good worship to me. Mm. And when they did that, <clears throat> and the prisoners heard them, it said suddenly there was an earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately the doors opened, and everyone's bands was loosened. Amen? There we see the power of God. And I'll tell you right now, I believe there's powerful things come out of hard time worship. That's when you get right, powerful things happen. And listen, like David said, who can tell what God may do? <laughs> Just what he did for them. Amen? Tony, you can ease right on up here. And as I looked at that, and, and, and these things in my mind today, as I, I thought about, Hard times and worshiping, worshiping God. doesn't matter. He's still God. <laughs> Worship Him. I said, Satan, as I, looked at Paul, as I looked at that in Acts, Satan can buffet the body, but he cannot imprison the prayers. Can't do that. You can't, you can't, you can't lock down the praise. They prove that. No matter how hard it is, what you're going through, you praise God. You can be squalling and tears pouring and hurting all over and just praising God and thanking God, Lord, I'm so thankful I know you. Help me through this. You said you would. You're praising, you're talking with him. That's good, good stuff. I think what we look and long for, but it's good to know when he's placed me there and he's brought me through these things and I'm where I, I'm where I need to be, 
good to know that I can just fall on my face right where I am and talk to the Lord and worship Him and find Him every time in a sweet, sweet way. In the good times, in the good times, praise His name. And in the bad times, do the same. Amen.